You're listening to In The Bunker, a podcast that explores the biggest challenges in starting and running a business. My name is Joshua Maddox, and I'm an entrepreneur and business owner myself. I'm sitting down with business owners to talk about the challenges they face, the lessons they've learned, and how we can all grow from it. I'm excited for today's episode. We have Yusuf Salibi, also known as JP, on the show with us today. JP has been faced with the challenge of marketing in his business. However, despite the odds, he has really solved this issue through trial and error. He's seen a 275% increase in new clients, and JP has an amazing list of past achievements and recognition in the medical field, and he'll dive into that a little bit further here in just a second. He's helped lead, shape, and guide all different aspects of medical and health over the past 30 plus years in that medical field. He has helped his patients improve their health in spite of that ever-growing challenge of reaching more people and that marketing aspect. There's so much to learn from him, and I'm super excited to jump in and learn about all he's overcame and where his business is today. Glad to have you on the show today. Thanks, Joshua. Glad to be here. Awesome. So let's dive in and walk through what is your sort of, give us that 90 second background. Who are you? How did you get here? When, what do you do? Sure. I'm classified as a functional medicine physician currently. This is my second career in medicine. My first was about a 20 year career in more conventional mainstream emergency medicine. With that job of dealing with urgent and emergent care, both the acute Injuries were great at that in the United States. A dislocated shoulder, gunshot wound, no better place in the world to be that taken care of. But on the other hand, we have chronic illness and things like diabetes, obesity, hypertension, renal failure, and we don't do real well. So uh, during those 20 years, I, I, I realized there was something better. So I transitioned away from the mainstream into uh, functional and integrative medicine, which I think serves that population of chronic illness in a true preventive mode, not just giving lip service to preventive medicine, but really honestly doing it. And in uh, my clinical career, I also, it gave birth to a nonprofit organization, uh, a teaching academy where I can actually teach other advanced providers of the same skills that, I'm, that I practice every day. So that's in a nutshell. Awesome. Yeah. And the difference there you're talking about is that active versus reactive or the proactive rather than reactive. And like you said, our medical industry is great at being reactive to whatever is thrown at it. But the proactive aspect, I definitely have seen, you know, personally, it's definitely something that I think there's a big room for improvement. In. Yep. Yeah, there's, there, like I said, there's a lot of lip service in uh, conventional medicine about preventive medicine, but in actuality, it's not really practiced. Well, there's a lot we can do for our patients, lifestyle management, modifications, and then keeping people off of chronic illness meds. Most medications are a patch leaving symptoms, not dealing with the root cause. So I know we were talking before I hit record about one of your business challenges has been sort of that marketing piece. Walk us through what were the needs there? Why marketing? And what did that look like for the business? Sure. So this was all new. Uh, in medical school, they teach us anatomy, physiology, but they don't teach us any business courses. And my undergraduate was science-based as well. So I was protected 
for the first career by large hospital systems. And they did all the marketing. They did all the hiring. My, my overhead was basically my scrubs and my stethoscope. And that's all I had to deal with. I didn't have any HR or anything else in my first 20 years of medicine. So when I embarked on a solo practice, private practice, initially embraced the insurance model, but that didn't work. And after 18 months, I just looked at the numbers and I said, I'll be out of business in three months if I keep going this route. So I had to terminate all my managed care contracts and opt out of Medicare and all that stuff. Just turn my back completely away from that model. And in doing so, it, it really cut into the number of patients being referred to me, to my practice by that system. And we lost about 60% of our Medicare patients overnight. So I realized real quickly, I had, uh, it was a new practice. It started into the end of uh, 2013, brand new practice, had a very low patient base. Um, it wasn't as if it was a traditional internal medicine practice of something like 10 or 20 years where they had built up a clientele of 3000 patients and then they go VIP MD and they basically whittled it down to 300 lucky ones. Uh, we didn't have that. We didn't have a patient base. So we had to build it from scratch. And it took me almost six different marketing companies to finally have one that worked. The first three were really very traditional, built large marketing companies that did both print ads and billboards, and they did some digital marketing, but their main focus was on print. And that just didn't work for us. There, there was no return on investment. It was negative return on investment. So quickly migrated from one to another, usually not lasting more than a year with uh, these groups. So the second to last one almost did me in, almost put me out of business. Um, they were a local company, it's pretty small, and they promised the world and they delivered nothing. They were basically really super expensive and they came with a couple of good references. I spoke to other physician groups that were utilizing them and they gave them good reviews, but it seems the, the information they, they were trying to push on us was a lot of social media marketing. They did these big campaigns, big expensive campaigns in like Facebook and a few other social media. And I, I was a little hesitant, but I said, these guys are the pros. They know what they're doing. Let's go for it. And it was a complete disaster. They did have some staffing issues. Their turnover was really high. We lost our account to two different ones. And it just, it, we were pretty much a small player in their group of companies that we're working with. And so we got the, put on the back burner. And as a consequence, Google apparently went through an algorithm change and it devastated our website. They, they fell asleep on the job. They did not realize it. They did not make the corrections or updates. And so we lost so much real estate on the internet uh, over a period of three or four months before we caught it and had it terminate. We had to terminate them and we were scrambling because our number of new patient inquiries had dropped significantly. And I thought, oh my God, I might this might do us in. Landed a fellow who was referred to me from another business uh, associate I knew, and he built up our website, corrected all the problems with the algorithms and uh, the SEO, and got us back on track. And his company, we liked him a lot. He did a great job. He's very personable, but he got really too big too fast and he couldn't keep up with his other clients. So again, we felt a little bit of our, our in input, the folks making inquiries and all that was drifting off. There were some problems that weren't corrected with some of the links. There were some dead links. So uh, I went on the search. I interviewed two more local marketing, digital marketing companies, because this one that we were leaving was based out of Florida. So he wasn't readily available. So I wanted someone local. 
And after interviewing two different companies, I selected one. And this guy's done remarkable work for us. Our, the return on the investment is amazing. He's affordable and he knows what he's doing and he's on top of everything. So that saved our business. And within the first um, six months, I would have to say his work alone has increased our volume of inquiries by 275%. Our conversion rate is about 48% to 52, depending on which month you study, which is unheard of in the industry. That's um, just unheard I mean, of digitally. It's really unheard awesome. of. Yeah. But there were a couple other things we implemented that we did at our end. But just the fact that SEO, we, we, did, a, we did one month of Google ads and it just didn't pan out. There was, there was no return on that investment. So we've let go the ad, paid for advertising and we've let go of all the social media stuff. My, my wife is the office manager. She maintains a little contact with the social media and will answer inquiries that come in through there. But most of it is just a digital marketing, 99% of it. We do have one paid print ad that we run in a local medical focused magazine that comes out every two months. Uh, and it's a quarter page ad, but it's, it doesn't amount to much. It just gives us a presence. But it's all basically, I would have to say, anyone that's doing functional medicine who's starting up a practice, I would do think about doing 90, 90% just digital marketing. And the, the, the search has to go on for the right person to do, the, to do it for you. And that can be the challenge. But in addition to the digital uh, marketing, we implemented a very much personal uh, touch. We, we didn't want to automate our websites. That, that became a cliche. And a lot of people just don't like that, especially older patients. They like that human contact. So we actually hired two staff members who work from home. And all they do is they make that initial contact. They're our Walmart readers, if you will. And that has bolstered our conversion rate. They are the ones that are responsible for us closing the deal on new patient inquiries coming in. They understand the practice. They feel there's a personal touch. We have a set of core values that are adhered to. Everyone knows them. They're posted all over the place. And we're getting this, this influx of patients that are looking for that. They're looking for that human touch. They're looking for compassionate people. And that's what we're portraying our business as. And in this uh, last two years with the COVID pandemic, where other businesses and including medical offices have suffered, ours has flourished. My accountant asked me last year when he was handing me my tax returns, how the hell did you do that? You did better in 2020 than you did in 2019, whereas all of my other clients have suffered. And I said, first of all, we're medical, so that accounts for something, but also going from about 40 to now 70% telemedicine. And we had all platforms already set up. We didn't have to reinvent the wheel. We were doing telemedicine back in, in 2013. So we had all of our platforms, all of our staff and providers were all solid with those. And it was nothing for from doing about 30 to 40% to now doing about 70. And uh, so I think the combination of both the marketing and also some strategies we, we embarked on in our practice really helped put us where we are today. That's awesome. I want to highlight one element that you said is that you guys in a day and age where so many companies are focused on chatbots and these automated marketing tools, you guys literally went the other direction. You said, we're going to hire two full-time staff members that are going to be physical people that answer the phone, make phone calls, do that initial, like you said, Walmart greeter style contact 
where so many companies are wanting to use a chatbot. And I think that's something that companies who are considering utilizing a chatbot, if it's not done for the right reasons, it will turn customers away. I know from my personal experience, I've been on websites where I'm like, all I want to know is if you're open tomorrow and this chatbot just has no idea. And it's, would you like to schedule an appointment? I was like, tomorrow's ours. I'm sorry, I didn't understand. And just, are you open tomorrow? And it's so frustrating. And then sadly, I close the website and on to the next company and I go find someone else who is or has, you know, that information more readily available. That's my modus operandi, my MO in running my business, whether it's this practice or I had a previous integrative practice in Savannah, Georgia years ago, was always being 20 years ahead of everyone else. As a functional medicine physician, I'm practicing medicine that's in the 21st century. Uh, a lot of our practice guidelines in mainstream medicine are 20th century guidelines. Look at the disaster we're having. Doctors are sitting on their hands. They don't know what to do for their patients as far as outpatient therapy. They're sending people home after a positive COVID-19 test and say, drink water, take aspirin and, or Tylenol and, and then come back. If you're having respiratory problems, we'll put you in the hospital. That's unacceptable. So we're, as a consequence of doing stuff, being proactive and, tr and offering treatments, viable treatments to our patients. We're getting a flood of patients. And this has actually happened in the last six weeks. We've had such a flood. I've had to actually hire additional staff and hire two, two more nurse practitioners to help me with the patient load. I think so much of that is also that transition aspect of what we talked about, at, you know, at the beginning is the aspect of preventative versus that reactive and so much the reactive of go home and if you get sick, then come back rather than, okay, what are two things I can do? Maybe it's at home that are preventative so I don't end up back here. I want to hone in on, on the marketing aspect a little bit. You touch base on you guys have gone through a handful of companies and for all different reasons, they, may, they didn't work out for whatever reason that might be. But what is your advice for a business owner who is saying, hey, I am facing a marketing challenge and I'm looking to hire a company. Or if you were you know, able to talk to you know, your younger self and say, hey, here's the advice of what I would do. That's a real big challenge because really, unless you go in and have several sit down meetings, I was impressed with what some places looked like when I would walk through their front door. It was really this really cool vibe, very modern architecture, looked like it was well-funded. And so I thought, well, I'm pretty comfortable with this. These guys must be doing well. They've got big contracts. They're name dropping. All these big companies in the area, uh, they must be doing well. And they weren't a good fit for me. After a few months, it was brutally honest. I, I was with myself. I was like, they said, well, keep going. It takes three months. It takes six months. And I had to be honest with myself and say, really, let me sit down and think this through and realize that it wasn't a good fit. They didn't fulfill anything they had promised. It seemed like several of them had gone to the same conferences. They t would say the same thing over and over again about how they wanted to structure our marketing plan. And it just, I was like, these guys must all gone to the same conference. They're speaking the same kind of language. I didn't hear anything really novel. So what I did with the last search was I spent some time looking at the references they gave 
looking at the websites, how they were structured. And then yeah, I assume I got an honest representation of what they could do. I just clicked with the uh, business owners because these were small marketing companies with a very small staff. And so I got the chance to speak to the owners directly and I felt very comfortable. And I think that's the thing. If it's a big company and you can't get to the president or the CEO, you may want to move on. And it's better to start out with someone small that can actually do some very personalized work. It's almost akin to looking at how we as a small practice, a small private practice, treat our patients versus a big hospital system. You may have a big hospital system with 300 physicians and a huge, beautiful, marble-floored, modern-looking buildings, and you are not going to get the same care you would by a small office of really highly trained, skilled clinicians who have the patient's uh, best interest in mind. And that's what I was looking for. I, I put my model of, of, as a healthcare provider, and I said, let me find the same model in the marketing company. So I avoided these big companies with, with big flashy presentations or big name dropping. And I went with a fellow who kind of some, he, like he instilled confidence and he was confident. He knew he could help. He knew where the problems were. He did an analysis for free, a free analysis and told me we spent an hour and a half on the phone on a, actually it was a Zoom meeting. And he pointed out all the deficiencies in my website and all the broken links. And I'm like, oh my God, well, that's the problem. And he said, that's easy fix. I can fix it. And it was that confidence that he had and his honesty that made me select him. And it was, a, it was the right choice. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, you know, the hospital analogy that you use with the architecture and that I look at sometimes, you know, you walk into a lobby like that and you're like, cool. So you spent a million dollars or more on a off, you know, a, a lobby renovation rather than buying a new x-ray machine. They're cutting back on essential staff members like nurses and respiratory therapists and phlebotomists. And yet they have this really posh foyer or wow. entrance way. And you think they're just crushing it and it's, and it's a little deceptive. <laughs> so yeah. you have to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. I like the aspect of being able to have a conversation with the team. A lot of agencies, like you said, will, you get to talk to a salesperson and you're not going to talk to an account rep until you sign on the dotted line. I know of an agency in California that they have an NDA before you see the contract, which is just like scammy as all get up. And it's one of those things that being able to have that connection, this is hiring an agency is not just, it, it's not a one-time interaction. It's something where you're going to have a relationship with this business for hopefully a long time. Hopefully the agency that you hire, the, guy, the team you're working with, hopefully you guys are you know working together for the next 10 plus years and you're able to see this 275% increase year over year for the next 10 years. At that point, 10 years from now, maybe you're their only client or maybe they've grown a little bit more or whatever that looks like. But I think it's really focusing on ensuring that agency understands your business, understands who you are, will spend the time to, like you said, go through your website, find a few things, explain the reasons to you and all that type of stuff, and really make sure that you as the potential customer understand that they know 
who you are and they know what your business is and all of that. I think that's really critical. Rather than just coming in, anyone can come in with flashy logos. And to your point, there are a lot of conferences that a lot of big agencies will send their whole sales team to. They're all talking the same thing because they all learned it at the same place. Yeah, that's what I figured was happening. We had a, a situation where uh, we were getting these uh, notifications through the postal system that we had to sign for a package. And so in medicine, we think, oh, well, they're probably health records, some of these laboratories or their hospital discharge summary. So we'd go to the, to the post office and we'd have to send a staff member over there and sign for these packages. And we'd get them back to the office and open it up. And it was advertising material from one of the, another practice, like a urological specialty practice or allergy, ear, ear nose and throat. And it was all from this one hospital system. Well, that was eating up in our time. And what we were doing, we were filing it in, you know, file 13, you know, this, okay, great. They want us to send referrals to them but we don't really, we're not in that arena. They wound up getting tossed in the trash. We probably would have done that if they sent it by regular mail. So my office manager had enough. And so she writes them and says, hey, you and several of the other folks in your hospital system do seem to be doing this new marketing strategy to try to like make us definitely read your stuff. That's great. We want to, that's wonderful, but you're wasting our time because we have to go sign for these at the post office. And, and we asked them to please stop doing that. So again, it was something where different marketing companies were all preaching the same new thing. Hey, let's make sure your, your flyer is being read. So we'll send it by, by mail where they have to sign for it to receive it. Like register. It's insane. Yeah. It's that kind of thing where I think when we were dealing with that one company and they were really pushing this whole social media marketing campaign, it didn't work. I'm like, oh, I was hearing that from five or six other agencies. And so they must have all gone to that same conference or something. And I will say social media is a great platform as long as it connects with your market. And it, and it depends on what platform, Facebook versus Instagram, TikTok versus whatever. It, it really depends on what your platform is, what the demographic is, and where your demographic hangs out. If your demographic isn't on Instagram, then don't advertise on Instagram. But at the same point, the one thing I would mention is if you guys do have, or you have the Facebook page for the business, make sure you guys are posting on there, major holidays, hey, happy new year, hey, once a month. Posting on your social media accounts, at least on a monthly basis, ensures that people don't hit it and go, oh, the last time they posted on here was 14 months ago. Maybe they closed with the pandemic, like, and now yeah. all of a sudden they, maybe they, maybe they call the office and some fluke, the phones are down for 20 minutes or something. And they go to your Facebook and there's nothing on there for 14 months. And they're like, okay, on to the next guy. But if there right. was something on there from three weeks ago, they're like, they were there three weeks ago. So that's not a year ago. And maybe at that point, that's when they give another chance. And also things like Google reviews and that type of stuff as well. People use that now as a metric to see. I know locally there was stores where I was like, I don't know if they're open or closed during the pandemic. And I was checking their Facebook page and their Google reviews to try to see if they were open today or not. <laughs> right. Some of the advice my current marketing fellow has given us is Google Maps and Google is, is good. So we do keep that abreast and, and current. As far as Facebook, our Facebook page is uh, very active. I post a medical story or something almost on a daily basis, sometimes two or three times a day when I come across something 
That's an interesting abstract. We'll go up there. I, we keep a very active blog. My blogs are, they're archived and they're also, I set them up to go live at certain times during the month. So there's always current information coming out on a weekly basis. And we decided not to pay someone to do that for us. We would do that ourselves. I'm, I'm a big blogger. And so I maintain the Facebook and LinkedIn. I do it on LinkedIn too, almost redundantly. And so those areas, but, but what we noticed was the, the folks that were calling and making inquiries were not so much coming in from the social media platforms. They were coming in from some of the associated organizations that I'm a member. So I'm a member of four or five different organizations and they have physician search built into their website. So somebody who's looking for like a doctor that takes care of Lyme patients or a doctor that takes care care of patients with a sick building syndrome. These organizations have the uh, ability for folks to search for clinicians in their area. So we found out that was happening, but then our, just our organic Google searches were bringing us a tremendous amount of, of traffic. You could have that all funneled down, but if you don't have the needs in your practice at the front door to handle it appropriately, you could lose a good number of potential clients. I yep. spoke with a business owner who said that they had 400 inquiries a month but they only gained about 20 new patients. At the time I was doing about 30 uh, to 40 uh, inquiries and capturing about 20 new patients. So now of course our funnel got bigger, but now we have the means to address the influx of, of new clients and keep them hungry for more, if you will, uh, because they were really satisfied about who greeted them at the front. And they got a feel of the humanity in our practice and our compassion and dependability. Those are all real big, important features. I would also tell uh, prospective business owners that develop a set of core values. So when I started my business, I was a member of Vistage. Uh, Vistage is an organization that I, I think would, was created in the 1950s in the United States. And it's an international fraternity of CEOs, basically once a month. Uh, a group of CEOs gets together from different industries. No two can be the same. We had people, architects and lawyers and paving companies, asphalt paving companies. Some of them were multi-million dollar companies and some of them were pretty small, but we all have the same problems with marketing, staffing, HR, all these things. We'd get a speaker to come in and then the rest of the day, we would basically identify problems and try to work through it amongst ourselves. And another group I was also a member of was TAB, which is the alternative board. Again, these are groups that are led by a facilitator and they're, in my opinion, key to keeping your business solvent and sustainable and growing and scaling up. And I, to this day, still have a, a tab advisor I meet with every other month who guides me through and I, I have someone to bounce stuff off of. So they actually helped save my practice at one point a few years ago. And they've given great advice as to, to help with the marketing and HR and staffing problems. So I would uh, encourage people out there, listeners to, who are small business owners to explore that and look at those kind of groups. Yeah, those are really good. I'm in tab and that's how we connected actually through the tab sort of global community element. And I will say having that accountability partner and, and, and for those who are listening who don't understand how TAB works, not going to spend a whole ton of time on that, but basically it's a group of other business owners 
uh, who you get as a sounding board on a monthly basis. You have a coach who you work with, depending on how your your tab group is set up on either a monthly or a every other month basis. And to be able to have that accountability of, I've got five other business owners that I know I'm meeting with in two weeks and I have a to-do item that I have to get done before that, or I have to show up to my meeting and say, I didn't do it. And having that accountability. And the other thing is the resources. I needed a, an attorney in a specific field and I brought that issue to my tab board and someone goes, oh, I've got a great one. He's super affordable, charges by the quarter hour, like no attorney charges by the quarter hour is normally like a two hour minimum. And so it's really nice to have those resources um, at your fingertips and it's really great. I attribute a lot of the growth of my business um, to that because when I opened up my shop, it was a solo practice outside of insurance model, what we call DPC, direct primary care. And there was no playbook. There was no manual to follow. I built it along the way and it was, there was a lot of bumps and bruises and scrapes. I could write a book now and tell somebody who's starting off how, what to do and what to avoid. But at the time there wasn't a playbook and I relied on tab and vistage to help me navigate those kind of those rough waters so that I could build a business that was sustainable and profitable. Yeah. And sustainable yeah. and profitable is definitely yeah. two primary yeah. elements. Man. So yeah. I have one last question before we wrap up. I've loved chatting and appreciate the time today, but one last question. So which was harder going to medical school or starting your own business? I think for physicians now, there are other specialty groups of like in chiropractic medicine, they teach them how to run a business. There's a lot of business courses built into the curriculum, but in traditional medical school for MDs or DOs, there isn't. And, and so while it was different challenges, medical school, the first two years was a lot of rote memory. So you had to have good memory banks and be able to assimilate a lot of information in a big hurry. And then clinical, your last two years of medical school and residency training, it was sleep deprivation. You were on call every third night and you were sleep deprived and you're trying to assimilate all the things you're supposed to learn into that with sleep deprivation. And we all know that memory is affected by a sleep deprivation. The, to answer your question, I would have to say starting your own business is really difficult. Uh, it was much more challenging because there are so many more aspects of it than going through medical school. The one thing I will say as a positive with medical school is as you start a residency program, there's someone there to coach you and to lead you through that where starting a business, there's not. And that's why we both have found programs like TAB that are essentially that for businesses. So it's been, been awesome. Well, I appreciate the time today. Thanks for listening to this episode of In the Bunker. As always, we can be found on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at In the Bunker Podcast. Be sure to share this episode and what you're going to apply from it and how that can affect your business. Make sure to tag us in that post so we can highlight your journey as well. Again, thanks for listening. Each episode of In the Bunker takes a lot of work to put together from finding the guest, shooting, editing, all of that. And where I really could use your help is twofold. First, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcast or another podcast platform that can let you leave a five-star review or a text-based review, I would truly and greatly appreciate that. It really helps with the algorithm and allowing other listeners to find the show. The next thing that I really need help on 
is sharing this with friends, family, business owners, people that you think need to hear this content. I appreciate you listening to this episode and looking forward to next week. Take care.